74 Tango Whiskey, 2.6 for 3,000, uh, 140 on One question that I wish was asked at that press conference was, why why didn't things work out when Chuck Fletcher was the general manager? What reasons do you blame for things not working during his his tenure? I'm glad you asked that because the the press conference they mentioned, well, now we've got great leaders. Yeah, great leadership. So what the fuck was that guy around here for four and a half years? Yeah. He was a shitty leader. Dave Scott didn't want to fire him. There is a portion of this that has to fall on his shoulders, too, I think, in this whole thing. That kind of gets forgotten is is Dave Scott and his fucking incompetence. Uh, Oh, oh my God. Yeah, he is. is I I think he's been getting off the hook way too much in this whole situation here because he just fucked back off in retirement. But. I mean, God, he Jesus allowed Christ. this to perpetuate for yeah. so long and just no oversight, just letting letting Chuck Fletcher just make stupid decisions with no just nobody to be like, what's going on here? Yeah, absolutely. That guy's a fucking moron. Demanded they fire AV by sunrise the following day and kept Fletcher around way too long and. I just didn't care. He didn't have a goddamn clue what was going on. Yeah, yeah he was horrible. Care. Didn't care, didn't, care. didn't know. All he knew was Gary Mayhew. He didn't know how to care. <laughs> Did you see that Mayhew guy out there? I'll never fucking forget that line as long as I live. Fucking awesome. All I keep hearing in my head is, Chuck's my guy. Yeah, Chuck's that was my that, guy. That was bad. It's like you asshole, man. <laughs> that you bastard, man. Chuck's my guy. Yeah, that guy really did a bad. I mean, he was he was a he was a horrible, horrible CEO. He did a terrible job with the team. Um, just just did not have a sense of how to form an executive team. How to oversee management know when management's doing well when they're not doing well just way over his head and wasted so much time and resources it's incredible yep and he just gets to go off and yep yeah burn, burn this team and now he gets to his life go back to wherever the fucking circle of hell he came and why didn't he have a parting press conference set one up Fucker. at the fucking four seasons or something like that it is funny, so, though, how many people, like, they're, and I think I ranted about this on a Flyers AD when, when Breer first got the interim title, but, like, how many people based their qualifications solely off whether or not it was a former Flyer? The insider versus outsider, yeah. the player versus not former player, and I'm like, who could possibly fucking care whether or not they were former players with this team. Why is that the fucking first uh, check mark here on the box of uh, credentials? Like, I want people that are best fit for the job. 
if there was a former player out there that was best fit for the job, I'd be all for this one. Hiring two people with absolutely no experience with the sole qualification that once upon a time they both played for this team, I feel like that's such a weird, like, bar. Do other sports teams do that with their fucking hirings? Like, we have to hire somebody that was a former flyer. They don't understand. It's just such a weird, like, dichotomy of, like, they they can't be outsiders anymore. We tried an outsider with Fletcher. We saw how that worked. It's like, fuck off. Hiring Fletcher as some random asshole dude versus going after somebody like Ray Shiro, who's got experience in rebuilding, those are two completely different things when it comes to outsiders. But it's just, it's so weird that people take this, we need fucking former flyer stance here. I was like, fuck, I saw so much of that over the last couple days. And I, I don't even understand why that is a main qualification when looking people mm-hmm. to hire to rebuild your fucking franchise in the first place. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's a it's an inappropriate, superficial barometer. Um there are situations where that can be helpful. There are situations where it can be hurtful, depending upon the extent of of their experience, um, of how they've been involved. And at the end of the day, you know, there's six degrees of separation on on everybody in the NHL. Pretty much, Every, yeah. Everybody associated with this league in some way, shape, or form has one, two, three, or four degrees of separation from almost every single franchise. So, you know, to use that as a barometer to say yes or no to anybody is just wildly inappropriate and superficial and just not, not an accurate way of assessing uh, somebody's qualifications at the end of the day. It's like, oh, well, the, you know, Steve Eiserman and Joe Sackick. And I'm like, yeah, but there's also Paul Fenton and Jim Benning and Craig McTavish that all miserably failed as general managers that were mm-hmm. former players. Like, that, th- there's mm-hmm. no correlation between being a former player <laughs> right, and having, yeah, you know, a, a talent yeah. at being a general manager and having the brain power to figure that out. You know, it's just, it's such a weird fucking stance that people take about this thing. And, I don't know, man. I uh, I don't know. Weird. Where where I say that you're you're spot on, Dan, is people have a hard time, especially Flyers fans, of dissociating their love of somebody. Once they love somebody, it's irrational. Mm-hmm. Everything else is completely <laughs> meaningless. Red eyes. Like <laughs> like all like how many times have people messaged me and said, "Well, Danny Breer can't succeed because Joe Sackick did." Okay, so what about the multitude of other examples that I've gone through of guys that didn't succeed? Yeah, in this in the in this progression from a player to a general manager, mm-hmm. but they automatically latched on to the one or two guys, Steve Eiserman and Joe Sackick, and they 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 neglect to mention all the other ones because this is the idea. This is what they want to believe. Yeah. So they are automatically ignore and throw every other piece of data or stat in the trash because that's what it doesn't fit what their narrative is. It doesn't fit what it is. And listen, the reality is, is and we've been through this before, is when you compare the experiences, I mean, Sakic had a bit more experience, certainly not a lot. But I think that he had a little bit more, in my opinion, more than Danny Breer did. Pretty much everybody had roles in the front office 
before hiring. And I, I put this, it was like uh, Bill Guerin and Joe Sackick and Steve Eiserman yes, and so many yes. of those guys that everyone compares to. They all held front office roles for at least a few years before yep. being moved to general manager. In some cases, a fucking years and years and years of experience before being moved to GM. They were not thrown into this position cold after holding a made up fucking role for one year, you know, like Breer did. Yes. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. One of the things that I thought was rather perplexing, uh, going back to the press conference for a second here, um, of the executive suite was, you know, they they were asked about. I think Hilferty was asked uh, from Charlie about, you know, what was the search like for the general manager? You know, you obviously brought Danny as interim. Uh, who did you interview? What was the thought process there? And the and the thought process was. We didn't interview anybody. No, he Breer was the got only that guy. job completely uncontested. Like yeah. that, I think was a. If they would have interviewed other people, and at least taken the time to you know flesh that out, hear that other had, people out and other ideas, yeah. and yeah, yeah, it at least could have served. Even if they were going to pick Danny anyway, it at least could have served as a CYA for them if shit goes south in the future. Yeah. Say well. We interviewed, you know, four other candidates, and at the end of the day, Danny had, you know, credentials one, two, three, four, five that the others did not have. We felt comfortable at the time, and we proceeded accordingly. But because they didn't even do that, and if he fails, like we mentioned the other week, that is going to be just really, really bad for this executive suite in terms of them not even considering, thinking about, even talking to Anyone else out there that could do this job, including a guy like a Kyle Dubas, who may be available over the next week or two here, I don't know, uh, but somebody of that caliber or others that are out there and taking them into consideration to basically spearhead what appears to be a very complicated rebuild. That was crazy. Then they say they did not even interview anybody else for the GM job. And listen, by no means am I surprised that Danny Breyer is GM right now. We knew this is coming for fucking years now, right? That's not surprising. But you're—it's just you didn't even consider anybody else. That's insane. That's crazy. It's just. It... You know, all the names I feel, I don't, I don't know if there was a name that popped up in the president search either that felt like anything close to a home run. It was Emily Chantangue and fucking Cami Granado and Eric Lindros and, you know, Eddie Olchek, a whole bunch of people that are also not really experienced, not really uh, hockey. You know, it's, it's such a strange option route that they went down here with this hiring process and not even uh, Breer getting the job completely unchallenged, completely uncontested given uh, it's just fucking nuts. I cannot even believe that they did not give the time of day to anybody to interview for GM. That's, that's insane. And it's going to look real bad. as we talked about in the last episode, I might just alluded to if this shit does blow up in their face, God Damn, there's going to be some questions to fucking answer for those people. that <laughs> They just didn't even attempt to hire anybody else besides Danny Briere and settled on their goddamn TV announcer for president. It's going to be a real, real bad luck if uh, shit does indeed hit the fan here over the few, uh, you know, over coming a uh, couple of years. It, it is interesting, though, when you look at how other teams conduct their business and how they organize searches and and look for general managers or coaches or, or front office people like the Pittsburgh Penguins fucking cleared house. They sent Hextall Quickly. packing. 
They sent Chris Pryor packing. They even sent Brian Burke packing, which was, I thought, uh, shocking because I didn't think but Berkey really got to choose Hextall or any of the other people in the front office as president. But it is what it is. And he gracefully said thank you on Twitter, you know, to the Penguins for, for everything and blah, blah, blah. It's weird, though, that, you know, we're in the middle of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And right now, for all the listeners, the Leafs are losing 2-1 going into the third period their season is on the line right now the pittsburgh penguins all the rumors out there are is is that fenway and and there's the ownership group and all the people that cover the team are like oh yeah they're really interested in kyle dubas and they would totally talk to him if the if the leafs get rid of him but you don't hear that from the flyers no you don't hear stuff like that yeah and then it wasn't even considered Right. And then conversely, you look at a team like the Calgary Flames, who they fired Brad Treliving, or sorry, they, they both mutually uh, whatever let Parted go. They fired, yeah. yeah, they they fired uh, Sutter or whatever. It is what it is. But their name that keeps coming up, according to um, Elliot Friedman, is Craig Conroy, a guy who was a Calgary Flame. And uh, when you compare those two organizations, the Calgary Flames and the Pittsburgh Penguins, which ones in the last 20 years have had more success? Be the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Right. So this is where, and again, it's kind of not really, you know, it's only one example, but this is where people get all hyped up into the, you know, I'm against them hiring anybody affiliated with the team prior. And then there's those other camps of people who say, no, no, it has to be somebody from outside. And I get both sides of the coin. You know, Hextall was shit. And he was a flyer. Chuck Fletcher was shit, and he was an outsider. I just want people that it, are qualified for the fucking job. Yeah, I give each, I, that whether they played here or not should not matter at all. It just shouldn't. You know, yeah, fuck that drives me absolutely nuts. And the fact that they did not give Ray Shiro the time of day, the fact that they did not even wait to see what happens with Kyle Dubas. Like, those have been my two guys. And you didn't do that in favor of fucking Danny Briere and Keith Jones. That just... Fuck, that's crazy. (laughs) That is just absolutely insane. And all we can do is sit here and pray to whatever God you believe in that these two, you know, fresh faces here in Briere and Jones are fucking capable at doing their job as first-timers with no experience rather than fucking going after somebody like that. God, it's annoying. Well, well, in fairness, the reports were that uh, Shiro basically said, thanks, but I've got my Because he didn't want to be fucking president. Right, which leads you to the process and the whole thing about John Tortorella wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, he didn't want to deal with torts. And basically this entire, you know, last two months has been all about it's going to be Danny Briere anyways. So fuck you. It's going to be Danny Briere as GM. And you wanted to hire a president that was okay with that. And the second that... <laughs> and somebody that's never done the job before step right the fuck up because yeah, he's the only well, one that wants to take thing. it, right? Well, and, and that that is a valid criticism where somebody without any experience in the front office, you had to find a president that was okay with John Tortorella and okay with Danny Breer being GM because that was always going to be in the cards. Yeah. And Ergo, in a way... someone who's not qualified for the job. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. anybody with substance is not going to put up with this bullshit. Yeah. yeah, no qualified president. And like, look, I love Keith Jones and he may be phenomenal, 
But the fact of the matter is no qualified president of hockey operations is going to come into this situation and accept what the status quo is here. Not fucking one. They have no say over anything. The head coach is here. The GM is here. Every all the decisions were made, like we mentioned a few weeks ago, and they said it during the press conference. All the fucking decisions were have been made yep. about what's going on here. I mean, Keith Jones may be able to influence a little bit here, but I mean, my God, I mean, we had we had what a month and a half, two months of meetings with Danny Briere and John Tortorella already. So, <laughs> like, what what else can be done here? All the work's been done. It's just no qualified candidate was going to accept that, you know. And they locked themselves into the people like a Keith Jones, who obviously, you know, he said he would he was not going to accept any role like this in another organization. He would not have considered a role like this anywhere else, but he threw his hat in the ring because he wants to be the one to lead the Flyers back to greatness. And that's the kind of thing that's, you know, great fucking we are the world kumbaya shit. But at the end of the day, you know, what the fuck qualifies mother than passion to be in the role that he's holding? You know, he took that job because it's open and available and nobody else with any kind of credibility wanted it because nobody wants to inherit fucking Danny Breer and John Tortorella and Brent Flair and whoever else is still in this front office to do it. It's just a complete ass backwards process that ended with two very, you know, passionate but questionable people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So here's a question for you guys. We kind of had alluded to this a little while ago, but I think now it becomes more important given who is in the positions right now. And I'm looking at a guy like John Tortorella, and he is part of this triumvirate slash menage a trois uh, <laughs> of leadership here <laughs> that is going to be in the room. And I think that Charlie had asked a question or somebody at the press conference about John Tortorella having uh, more say as a head coach than probably any other head coach in the league has in terms of the direction of the organization, which is probably a true statement here. And, you know, there was really a non-answer to that. They kind of deflected it. But I think that I think the leading question was accurate. And, you know, I want to pitch it to you guys. Do you think that John Tortorella is going to be helpful in how this rebuild should go? Or do you think that he will be problematic in terms of where the roster should go and how this should be built? Yeah. And I think we were talking about this even before, uh, you know, this whole thing happened over the last few episodes Mm -hmm. here during our last batch of uh, recordings, but how much power this guy wields is definitely a fascinating little question in this one. And, Given the inexperience of Briere and now Jones, can he come in and kind of, you know, work his way into this and the roster decisions? And if this guy's building the roster, is it going to be just like Columbus? You know, is, are they going to fill this team with lower ceiling guys? You know, I, I, I think for the most part, he did a good job incorporating the youth this season. You know, there were some mishandlings there. You know, Alexel and Zamula didn't really get much of shots, even though they were up for a long time. But, you know, it does come down to, is this, when push comes to shove and Tortorella has a little bit of say here, he's got Danny Breer's ear to to make these decisions. You know, are we going to see an extra Nick Delorier-esque player or two added this summer instead of, you know, opening that spot for the youth or, or going out and bringing in Alex Debrincat or something like that? You know, there are definitely 
I like John Tortorella. I like what he's done this year. I think he was the most important person in this organization in fucking two decades at this point. But I also don't know if I want him making these kind of roster decisions or having the power to sway these roster decisions. You know, that's kind of something that I want smarter people in charge of, you know, a little bit more with the times modern people in charge of. So that it's definitely a fascinating little question. I mean, you know, Tortorella's name is mentioned in this menage a trois, you know, of fucking leadership here. Like he's clearly not just a head coach that's going to take shit from Aaron Jonesy. He's going to be there making this decision. So, you know, the quality of decisions he make will definitely be an interesting one. And I think we'll be I think we'll be able to sniff out who is who this summer. Right. When it comes to the moves they make and don't make, I think we'll know pretty easily based off John Tortorella's um, handling of the team and roster this season. You know, which moves were his and which moves were probably more Briere's and or Jonesy's when it comes to um, the direction they take this team. So, I mean, listen, it sounds like a porn movie. Menage a trois, ce soir. Yeah. I mean, like, you got these these three decision makers. The interesting thing, though, is at that press conference, Dan Hilferty made it clear that Keith Jones is going to be in charge of firing Danny Briere. Yeah, he will fire him at some point. He's going to be in charge. And then from the hockey side, Danny Briere would be in charge of firing John Tortorella. Yep. Tortorella is going to be here forever. Well, and that, but that's the thing is, and I'm not advocating for anybody firing anybody. Not yet. But, but I'm just saying that, yeah, not yet, not, not right now. But um, with the three of them and this triumvirate, this, this three way dance, this threesome, if you will, um, it's going to be interesting. Like, how often is, do you anticipate Keith Jones talking to John Tortorella? Because he's not firing John Tortorella. Like that's that's Danny. That's Danny's job. Like at some point, is this triumvirate going to, you know, evolve into a traditional hierarchy where there's a president and then there's the GM who's in charge of the hockey stuff and they're in G, uh, GM Danny Breer's in charge of the coach and his fate. Or is this, this is- a group decision that everybody's going to make? <laughs> So this is my take on it. I I am predicting that John Tortorella does not fit here anymore. Um, I think that you look at Torts and he's going to coach for another, what, two or three years, and then he may be he's done retired. forever. Yeah. Yep. Um, what the Flyers are doing now is they are hiring C-suite people who are very, very young and very, very inexperienced. That does not necessarily jive with a coach like John Tortorella, uh, who is at the end of the line, um, who by all intents and purposes wants to, you know, help build the team, but he's not necessarily in this for the long run. Um, he's, you know, he only has a couple of years left in his coaching career. It seems like, um, I got the sense that he was the odd man out. When I looked at this press conference, I heard what they had to say. I didn't get the feeling that he was really going to be engaged to the sense in the sense that Danny and Keith were long term. Um, I also see a problem with John Tortorella, and I think this relates to that point, but I see a problem with Torts in that I don't know if he's going to be willing to take 
a step or two backwards in order to take multiple steps forwards. Like, you know, in all honesty, this this team really needs to bottom out. I mean, they should have done that this past year. And, you know, it's it may help them in a in a traditional rebuild sense to bottom out for the next few years. And I don't know if Torts wants that, you know, he is he going to continue to try to squeeze the blood from the stone here. And, you know, they're not going to finish third worst. They're going to finish 11th worst. Like that is a problem when you rebuild, like we go back to this whole bullshit of, Oh, they had a winning streak in March and they've built this culture. That's going to sustain into next season. And like, that doesn't exist when you're at this step. They are at ground fucking zero right now. Like that is a farce. That's not going to propel them to contender status in the next one or two years. So uh, I feel like John Tortorella for all the good. I think he's doing, I think he's here a little bit too early in the process. I think if this team had bottomed out for a couple of seasons, acquired the number one pick, acquired a number two pick and had those cornerstones, then John Tortorella is the guy that comes in and sets the culture. But those timelines are just a little bit off from what, what I think the front office wants to do or should do and where John Tortorella is going to take the team. Yeah, I would agree. And I think it poses the interesting question, and I have a piece about this that'll probably up by the time most of you hear this, but can the Tortorella effect work twice? You know, he drug a lot out of this team and got them further than they should have ever been this year through sheer fucking work ethic. Are they going to respond that way again especially if there is no playoffs. You know, the 82-game playoff mentality that this guy has, you know, is not going to work long if there's no goals being achieved. What are you busting your ass for 82 games for if you're 40 points out of a playoff spot by season's end? You know, this is a group of players, and there's still quite a few of them that are here, that gave up on AV after one year. That gave up on, you know, Mike, yeah, that gave up, I mean, just coach after fucking coach, you know, that this team has experienced. And so I'm curious if Tortorella will even have the same resonating effect next season that he did this year. You know, can his message work this long? Daryl Suter just got fired in Calgary. This guy was fucking Jack Adams in 2022, and he got canned because the players were fed up with working hard. You know, it's that kind of thing. And I think Tortorella is a very similar-minded coach when it comes to that level of thing of, hey, we're fucking dead last in the Metro and 40 points out of a playoff spot. Why are we working so hard every night for no reason? You know, can this effort level be replicated for one more year, for two more years, for three more years, if there's no problem? progress moving forward if the front office is rebuilding and you're not going to bring in any substantial help here and you're just going to suffer is this going to work i think that is a very interesting storyline going into yeah. next season and without franchise cornerstones yeah and that's the thing if you're if you're a third line player which a lot of this team is <laughs> you know and you you know there's no franchise cornerstones here hell no there's no cornerstones coming nope why am I going to bust my ass like this, like four years in a row under this coach to finish 10th worst in the league? Like they're not going to do that for more than a year or two. I just don't see it for, for this franchise to believe in Danny Briere and John Tortorella as much as they do. This is going to be actually a really good test next season. Next season, 
I fully don't expect them to make the playoffs. But for this team to take steps forward and for John Tortorella's message to continue to resonate and not get stale and old, I want to know what you guys think about this. Isn't it incumbent on Danny Briere to make some trades now? Because I'm not worried at all about a guy like Noah Cates. I'm not worried at all about, you know, Travis Konechny in terms of the messages resonating from the coach to the players in the locker room. But if Kevin Hayes is still here next season and he puts in a dog shit back check and he is lazy going into the corners and he's doing his thing that he sometimes does, even though he had a decent season, pretty good season even, I would say. Isn't it incumbent on Danny Breer to make sure that a player like that is not on the team anymore because you want to encourage the message, which is I want the players to be accountable to themselves. I'm not worried about guys like Noah Cates and Scott Lawton and all these other guys that, that put in their work, they do their time and they're professionals. But if guys like Kevin Hayes are still out there, then isn't this a Danny Breer problem? And doesn't that put John Tortorella in a bad spot where, okay, now the message, what's he going to do? Continue to bench Kevin Hayes? Like at some point, the management team has to back up the coach or the message is going to get wasted and old and stale. And I don't think that they want that. I think they want John Tortorella to continue to be here for at least another two seasons. What say you gentlemen? The X factor in all of this is John Tortorella and his subtractions that he's been talking about for months. Mm -hmm. You know, there are guys, Hayes, Lazinski, Allison, potentially Joel Farabee, guys that are in his doghouse that he does not like. Uh, You know, there are guys that he likes, uh, Cates and Lawton, you guys like that. Uh, I guess D'Angelo now at this point is probably in that doghouse as well, but he wants to subtract them. Can Danny Breer subtract them? And of course, you go with somebody like Kevin Hayes. Who are you going to retain? Cap? Are you going to give up picks? What the fuck are you going to get back for this guy if you do trade him? You know, there's a lot of those things. And you know, Lazinski can just send to the fucking AHL if you really fucking wanted to. And say with Allison, but it is going to be interesting how hard they try and follow through with some of those subtractions. You know, I I do think Tortorella and Breer right now are pretty on the same page status quo kind of thing. It seems like they are um, very Zen at the moment, but it'll be interesting. And then that's the, the, uh, the thing is with Tortorella talking about subtractions is what are we going to get subtraction wise this year? You know, I, I don't think it's, necessarily subtracting talent as much as it is subtracting the bad apples in the bunch that John Torello doesn't fucking like and doesn't think is going to build a locker room with. Um, So that'll be very interesting to see you know, those subtractions and how hard do they end up pursuing a lot of those moves of the guys that Tortorella deems problems right now. I think they're going to have a really hard time making subtractions. And I say that because the Flyers are still in a position of weakness here, of tremendous weakness on a lot of these contracts. They have all these guys on these big money long-term deals still, 
and they all of a sudden want to want to rebuild like what are you doing here like why were they signed to begin with why we, why were they allowed to be signed why did the president allow it why did the owner allow it it's just they're saddled with these players that make no sense for them and who are getting wildly overpaid and i just don't understand why another team is going to bail them out on these on these players you know, like, why is another team going to come and swoop in and say, oh, sure, I'll take Kevin Hayes off your hands, you know, whatever you want. Like, let's just do it. I think it's going to be it's going to be a grind trying to figure out ways to get rid of some of these guys, because the Flyers didn't do this properly, obviously. Like, for example, if this team has, you know, was coming off of, uh, I don't know, uh, years of deep playoff runs, even if they didn't win a cup, but you know, five year legacy runs of, you know, these great veteran players that had great chemistry and they pushed and pushed and the time has come and now it's time to liquidate. Some teams do that. And they and the rest of the league can understand that. Okay, I understand. You know, yeah, you, you have these good players. Now is the time the team is going to rebuild. Chicago is kind of fitting that mold here. Um, I think the rest of the league would understand why they're trying to get rid of them because it makes sense. But the Flyers are just in total weakness. It's like yep. we have players no leverage on long-term at all in deals, any of this. no leverage that don't fit our team. We we don't think they're going to fit anywhere else because <laughs> they have negative qualities with bad contracts. Why would another team want to acquire them for anything less than, you know, like an unfavorable deal for the Flyers? So I think from that standpoint, it's going to be an uphill battle no matter who's in charge here. Um, you know, if they can work some magic, great. But at the end of the day, I think they're just going to have to take hits on all this stuff and just take a fucking bath on these trades and just figure out how to get back to ground zero. It's like fucking, you know, Hayes has been linked to Columbus. And it's like, yeah, he's linked to Columbus because Johnny Gaudreau is there. But what the fuck does Columbus want with Kevin Hayes? Awesome. You know, like... Yeah, oh, why does he help them? It sucks. He, you help him, you're taking on a substantial chunk of money. Like, Kekalainen's pretty goddamn smart when it comes to this stuff. Like, I, I, I don't... It, it's bizarre. You, unless you dump him off in fucking Arizona or something for a cocktail of draft picks. Like, I, I don't even understand how you're going to move this guy at this point. And... I don't know, man. It, it, it This goes all back to the experience of Danny Briere. And if they brought in somebody like Shiro, who rebuilt two franchises, I think there's some built-in cushion. Uh, built-in, like, okay, you know, this guy can handle this stuff and make a few trades and craft some stuff. Briere not only has to come in as a rookie and navigate through the flyers, but he's hit in the face right away with yeah. Kevin Hayes. Are you going to trade Provorov? Can you get a fucking fair market value for that guy these days? Are you going to part with Konechny? D'Angelo's a piece of human shit. What are you going to do with him? You know, these are not easy players that he has to move yep. if you're moving these guys for a rebuild. I mean, this is fucking shit for yeah. the greatest minds in our sport, let alone goddamn Danny Breer, you know? And the other guys are also injured. Like the ones that you want to trade too, like a Couturier and Atkinson, Atkinson yeah. they're completely untradeable based upon their non-participation right yeah. now. And then what's even worse in all of this is that Chuck Fletcher apparently tried to do this to some extent over the past year and failed. Why now that Danny Briere is the head of the team that, you know, a GM in, you know, whatever city said, oh, well, now that Danny's a GM, I'll take that player, even though he sucks. <laughs> it's going to be nice Chuck to Fletcher you all of a sudden a now. Yeah. Times. Like Chuck already tried to do this. And granted, he was I think he's a terrible general manager, a bad executive, a bad negotiator. But if Chuck already spun this wheel with all these GMs and these players, 
why am I to believe that now Danny's in charge? He's going to be able to execute the deal when it couldn't be done last year. That's true. That's true. I think it was uh, Russ Joy had a um, like a Twitter space where they were talking about the and Mike. I know you. I know you were there and other yeah. other other people we interact with on Twitter were all on there. But Russ Joy had a great point, and uh, you know what? He takes way too much shit. Because he has a lot of really good points. I agree with you. But, I but mean, people, yeah. people are just head in the sand, and they want to believe whatever it is that they want to believe, even when you know facts stare them in the face. And Chuck, uh, sorry, Russ Joy said, you know, Chuck Fletcher was working on this Kevin Hayes trade, <laughs> and this trade never materialized because Columbus is basically sitting there going, "We're dog shit." Our season's off the rails. We're going to get in the lottery. Why the fuck do we want an all-star coming in here and ruining this season that we're on? And then meanwhile, the Flyers are in this mode of, well, we're going to try and and we don't lay down and we put in effort and culture and all this other nonsense. <laughs> Even though when you look at the history, you know, they're in the playoffs, they're out of the playoffs, they're in the playoffs, they're out of the playoffs. Now they're out of the playoffs for freaking, what, three straight years? Yep. Or is it more now? Four? So three right now. You can probably count on like, extra for four in those. Yeah, it feels like 20 years. <laughs> but like, there's no carryover. Like these teams are not going to help Chuck Fletcher to do the stealth tank and take his, you know, players that are of value. And Yarmo Kekalainen was not going to do that deal in season unless they were really pushing for a playoff spot. And they were in no business in that conversation. I think Russ Joy had a tremendous point when he said that. And it's so true. So now in the offseason, if you're Yarmo Kekalainen, you're sitting there going, yeah, why do I want this guy? I'm going to get Leo Carlson at number three, or I'm going to get somebody else at number three. Do I really give two shits about Kevin Hayes? <laughs> and certainly not at $7.1 million. You're crazy. You're going to be eating half of that contract, and you might even have to pay me something yep. to take that contract. And then I'll give you like a something in return, a pittance in return. <laughs> Like Bingo. people, Bingo, people dude. are talking on Twitter like Kevin Hayes is going to be this piece that the Flyers are going to trade up into number three. And it's like, wow, I thought LSD was a thing in the 70s, but apparently it's making a comeback because there is no freaking way that the Columbus Blue Jackets are trading the number three <laughs> overall pick. I've seen a lot like, of that with Hayes and Provar being chance. the other one. Those are two guys that it's a classic case of people that the the players that people shit on year fucking around. They're terrible. They suck. They this and that. But when they trade him, we got to get fucking the moon for him. <laughs> you know, Kevin Hayes. Well, we hate him. He sucks. But goddamn it, we can't trade him for nothing. Ah, like there's nothing appealing about the players. Like even though Kevin Hayes had this, you know all-star season in air quotes he had he had a pretty good start to the first part of the season he was good and for about half the year and then he fucking gave up <laughs> yeah. putrid terrible the last half yeah. of the season and reverted back to you know being like a middling you know point producer and i think when kevin hayes plays a motivated game in short spurts he can be a helpful complimentary player 
but that's his ceiling right now. And obviously the salary is out of control. And like, what's the value on that? There's not a huge value on it. Like, what are you getting for him? And then you look at the other players on the roster. Nobody's having these great seasons. I mean, except for maybe Travis Konechny, who was hurt this year, had his probably his best season as a flyer. I mean, that's your best piece right there. Even then, 60 points. Yeah, Yeah, 60 (laughs) points, like. That's not going to move the needle like that much for another team. You're not getting other teams best prospects or, you know, a top five pick for that. It's just not happening. So, like, what do they really have to do? And, like, it all goes back to the fact that you got to get cornerstones in the draft in the top couple of picks or you have to be really, really good at developing and finding players and bringing them along like the David Posternox and the Ajos, um, you know, and the and the Braden points and folks like that, but the Flyers can't do that. So it's like I don't see where they're going to go here. They're still stuck in no man's land, as far as I'm concerned. 